Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, host of Dynasty Game Night. My co-host John Bosch and I created this podcast for one reason, to focus on fun. After all, fun is the reason we all started playing fantasy football in the first place. I love games of all sorts, card games, board games, video games, really any kind of game you can think of. So one day, John and I decided it was time for a podcast where we just play games. You might learn something along the way, but you won't find much hard-hitting analysis here. Check out all the other incredible podcasts DLF has to offer for that sort of thing. On Dynasty Game Night, our primary focus is to entertain. So if you like playing games or watching game shows, this might just be the podcast for you. We'd love for you to give it a listen and play along with the contestants and maybe even win a chance to be on the show. Listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off season. Welcome to the week one edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast with Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. I'm Dan Myler. We finally have live football, fellas. We've been talking about it for a while. We've been leery of it actually happening, but week one, at least to this point, as we're recording on Sunday evening pre. Sunday night football, uh, it went off without a hitch. We got a lot of football, a lot of action, a lot of fantasy uh, points scored, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. Lots of uh, surprises. Some uh, some players did what we expected them to do. Some did not. Some uh, did not have the same role we expected them to do. So it's going to be a fun chat tonight. Yeah, without the preseason, to see how teams would use some of these guys, there were certainly some surprises. Ryan, you were glued to the TV all day. Uh, how'd football watching go for Mr. McDowell? Oh, it went it went great. It was great. I loved. Uh, I just love that it's back. You know, because I mean, we we've, we've talked about it. Feels like every week lately, but I did not think this day would come. So I was I was glad to have a full day of football. And yeah, like Matt said, lots lots of surprises, lots of things to dissect uh, from a dynasty standpoint. Absolutely. And we got a taste of it, guys, on Thursday night with the Texans and the Chiefs. But but it was a smorgasbord on Sunday afternoon as, as it was just game after game and big play after big play, it seemed like at times. So let's jump right into it. This year we're going to cover every game. Uh, like I said earlier, we are... We are recording right before Sunday night football each week, so it'll hit your uh, hit your phone or your your MP3 player or whatever you're using uh, as early as possible. We're gonna react to all these games. We're gonna we're gonna do a theme this year. It's gonna be the most important thing. We all watch all these football games, guys, and we might be talking about a player that we're trying to acquire, a player that we want off our roster, a player that surprised or or did something that we did not expect, a role that came out of nowhere. Uh, really just the most important thing that happened in a game from time to time. There might be a couple things in each game, and from time to time we might altogether skip a game or just briefly uh, recap that game because there's there's nothing that's all that important to us as Dynasty owners that comes directly out of that football game. So let's start with that Thursday night game. Uh, Ryan, you watched the Texans and the Chiefs. It was entertaining for a while, but the Chiefs pulled away, ended up winning 34-20. to 20. The big takeaway for a lot of Dynasty owners is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and that 
Roll in the running game that he had, 25 carries, 138 yards and a touchdown. Also had two targets but didn't catch either of those. So, Ryan, when you watched that game and you were walking away from it, what were you thinking thinking about? Yeah, Clyde was certainly impressive. Uh, I think he lived up to the hype. We'll, we'll see. But at the same time, gave himself a little bit of room to grow from a production standpoint. Uh but a player I've been targeting all offseason, Dan, I know you have as well, is Mecole Hardman. Uh, and, and I have to say I was, I was disappointed in his role. Uh, just, just one target, one catch, played uh, 34% of the snaps. Sammy Watkins was clearly the, uh, the full-time option for the Chiefs, playing 92% of the snaps. Even Demarcus Robinson, who the Chiefs were basically ready to, to let him walk in free agency, uh, played 76% of the snaps. So um, I saw a lot of talk after the game and the next couple of days that Hardman is going to need an injury to, to have a major role. Unfortunately, that kind of feels like where we are. Um, I guess the good news is Sammy Watkins is in front of him and, and it feels like he's just an injury uh, waiting to happen. Yeah, Watkins has struggled with that throughout his career. Uh, never struggled. Seems to struggle in week one, though. Watkins, seven catches for 82 yards in that touchdown. Uh, Matt, we you, you mentioned Watkins and what his value is. What are you thinking about Sammy? Is he somebody you're going to slide into any lineups going forward? Or are you looking to move him if you got him? What are your thoughts on Watkins? Yeah, I think he's a, at least a bi-week fill-in option, right? At this point, I think he's at least moved at that level. We obviously saw what he did last year. Uh, season in in the in week one and never even came close to to replicating that so we'll see what happens going forward but he's at least interesting again uh who knows how long that will last again led the team in targets even over Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey uh so uh we'll have to see uh, I did start Hardman over over Watkins in several places and obviously regretted that uh the other thing about this game that I wanted to talk about was David Johnson he looked the part again uh he did come out of that game at one point uh, he he he, re- he returned didn't look quite the same so hopefully wh- whatever that injury was was is not going to be that big a deal but compared to 2019 David Johnson he looked a lot quite quite a bit better there 11 carries for 77 yards and a touchdown also four targets in the passing game so uh, if you believed in David Johnson again took him as you know that running back to veteran uh, presence on your team or, or tried to acquire him cheaply this offseason it looks like that may pay off at least for 2020. Yeah, Johnson had that spring in his step that he was missing a year ago in Arizona. I got, I came away with the same feeling about DJ and, and thought that those investments by dynasty owners might pay off during yeah. this 2020 season. Uh, let's, let's transition to the Seattle Seahawks, who went to Atlanta and took care of the Falcons 38-25. to They let Russ Cook, fellas, 31-35, 322 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. Also had three rushes for 29 yards on the ground, and he spread it out throughout that offense. DK Metcalf, four for 95 and a touchdown, although he had a really bad drop clank off his chest. That was a goofy-looking play. Uh, Tyler Lockett, eight catches, 92 yards. Chris Carson even got involved as a pass catcher, catching two touchdowns on six for 45 through the air. It was it was really the Seahawks show. They dominated this game. Uh, Ryan, they, they were focused on that passing game. Uh, what were your thoughts about what was happening with that Seattle air attack? <clears throat> yeah, that's what, that's what uh, Seattle fans I know and what – uh, fantasy players have been begging for really for years, like you said. Let Russ Cook let let this playmaker, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, uh, really control the game like he can, and that's what 
that's what he did in this first game. And uh, we saw both DK Metcalf and, and Tyler Lockett benefit because of that. Uh, I think both of those receivers have been dynasty targets for much of the offseason, just with the hope that this would happen. And it looks like it's going to. So I, I think that's great news for dynasty players. Might not be great news for Chris Carson. They they never really got the running game going, even though they even though Seattle led uh, virtually the, the entire game. I mean Carson had had a role in the uh, in the receiving game, but almost almost nothing on the ground. So uh, if they just you know if they can just rely on that passing game like they should, then Metcalf and Lockett. Are going to be major value gainers and and automatic starts every week, and that may even stretch a little bit further. Guys like Greg Olson, who is involved in the passing game, uh, made a couple of plays. He can be a streaming candidate, and we might even be able to get deeper on that depth chart if things work out. Looking at the other side, guys, I was I was watching that game with uh, with big eyes because I always want to watch my guy Calvin Ridley, who went nine for one thirty and two scores. Julio also went off. Nine catches, 157 yards, but not surprisingly, didn't find pay dirt, pay dirt. The guy that was maybe a surprise to some, though, Russell Gage. Nine catches, 114 yards. They were playing from behind, fellas. Uh, if you look in your most of your dynasty leagues, depending on the depth, Russell Gage is a free agent in many of them. He's available in these PPR leagues. Is he the guy, one of those guys that you're you're trying to add off the waiver wire, Ryan? Yeah, probably because they were playing from behind. I would not be surprised if they're playing from behind a lot of the year and in in shootout games like this. Gage even even left the game for a little while with that uh, with a head injury and, and was able to return. But th- there's going to be garbage time, and he's never going to be the first or second option. But if he can be the third option or kind of flip flop with Hayden Hurst. Uh, he's he's going to have some of these games. I mean, just like like any depth guys like him, it's going to be tough to know when to start him. But I, I do think he's worth a roster spot in in deeper leagues. Hurst is an interesting one to bring up as well because we you know we kind of thought he was going to be the third option all off season, and uh, he was his, his he was dominated at targets. All three of those receivers you mentioned, including Gage, got twelve targets. Hurts just five targets. So that may be a product of him just coming over with a new team, and maybe that flip flops from week to week, like you said, Ryan. But right now it seems like uh, Hurst might be fourth on the pecking order instead of third. Well, I think it's an A dot thing too. I mean, they were throwing the ball down the field. Uh, not necessarily looking at short stuff. The running backs and Hurst totaled uh, totaled 15 targets between them, between those four players. So he was obviously looking for big gainers uh, as they were down so much in the second half. Yeah, and we'll see how that plays out for the rest of the season. One thing did uh, was apparent to most that watched the game, though. The Falcons are willing to rip it, get the ball down the field, and those playmakers on the outside are going to have the opportunity to make big plays and put up some big fantasy points for us as, as fantasy owners. Uh, how about the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens? Ravens dominated this one, 38 to six, Lamar Jackson did Lamar Jackson type things. Twenty of twenty-five through the air, two seventy-five and three touchdowns. Did not throw an interception. Also added seven carries for forty-five yards 
on the ground. So so put up that 25, 30 points that Dynasty owners like to see. There were a lot of good things happening for that Ravens offense. Matt, what really stuck out to you? Uh, two two things, really. Number one, Marquise Brown, He he's healthy, you guys. <laughs> he looks he looks a lot more like that complete receiver than he does just that deep threat that we thought maybe might happen coming into the league. Uh, doing the little things like coming back to the ball and, and minimizing the chance that the defender can, can deflect or pick off the uh, pick off the pass, so it's really nice to see him out there and and really kind of assuming that number one role. He only did he did only get six targets, but made the most of it. Like you said, uh, five five receptions, a, a, a deep ball, forty seven yards. Uh, but you know, tied tied the number of targets with Mark Andrews and only two more than Willie Sneed. So uh, Lamar Jackson's really kind of spreading the ball around. Uh, maybe that was just a product of the, the game, the way this game went, and they didn't really need to push it uh, too much more than that in the passing game. Uh, but it's really nice to see Marquise Brown out there. Uh, 100% healthy. I really liked what I saw out of Brown as well. I've been a big, big, big fan of him ever since the beginning of his rookie season. Wasn't investing in him in rookie drafts a year and a year and a half ago or so. But as soon as you see him in that offense with Lamar Jackson running vertical, man, that the the chance for those week winning type games and Brown came close to having one of those in week one uh, got tackled a couple times on plays that that could have been really big touchdown plays and been big for the not only the uh, Ravens but also fantasy owners everywhere Ryan you you watched this game with a close eye as well what jumped off for you yeah a few things but I think probably the the top one was J.K. Dobbins um I would say most people expected Dobbins to overtake Mark Ingram at some point this season. I definitely did not expect it uh, to happen in week one. Dobbins gets both of the rushing touchdowns for uh, the Ravens. He also plays more snaps than Mark Mark Ingram did. And Ingram simply just wasn't effective. 10 rushes, 29 yards. Uh, Dobbins wasn't much better, but he did get the, the red zone work, as I mentioned. Um, so that's that stood out, and and then on the other end, in uh, in a negative way, I mean Baker Mayfield, like it might be time to give up. And related to that, is is Odell Beckham is he even a top twenty dynasty wide receiver anymore? I don't think he is. Yeah, ten targets. I mean, and only three catches. So, <laughs> not did not make the most of his opportunities. Uh, but you know, there were a lot of off-target throws there by Baker. Just, but uh, just just over fifty fifty percent passing. Uh, so not not being helped out too much by his quarterback. But he, you know, he, he's getting the volume of targets. The one thing I would have to say, going back to the J.K. Dobbins, Mark Ingram thing, is game strip script could could be. Uh, part of the reason we saw a little bit more of Dobbins even in the down there at the goal line inside the five, although I believe his first and on his first touchdown the game was close still in that one. And you know Dobbins with that seven for twenty two and two, neither one of them caught any passes out of the backfield. Not sure how that's going to play out moving forward. I will uh, try to remind everybody out there that a year ago it was Justice Hill who got seven or eight carries out of the backfield, and everybody thought, oh, maybe he's going to have this role. Uh, they're just 
they were they ended up just getting Mark Ingram's feet wet in week one. That game stri- script was very similar. They played the Dolphins, were up by more than two touchdowns at halftime, and kind of breezed to the wind. Gus Edwards also had uh, double digits carries in that game a year ago. Uh, so we'll see how it plays out. Don't let's let's not really over exaggerate Dobbins's workload in this first game. It could be seven for for twenty two and no touchdowns next week, and we're all wondering if we can even trust him as a flex play. So uh, the other thing I thought about with the with the Browns was you, you guys mentioned the quarterback play that that was ugly and Odell that it didn't work out. Uh, on a lot of dynasty owners' minds this week will be Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Chubb ten for sixty. Uh, rushing and one catch for six through the air. Kareem Hunt, 13 carries for 72, four catches for 10. I think we all kind of expected uh, a shared workload there, but uh, we'll see how if game script really mattered in that one. In a closer game, if Chubb would out-carry Kareem Hunt, Hunt was on the field a little bit more in the uh, towards the end of that game because of because of the score, uh, and they had to throw the ball. So we'll see how that all plays out. I'm concerned about that Browns offense in general, though. Yeah, I think you have to be. And I'm not worried about Kareem Hunt or Nick Chubb as fantasy assets necessarily. I mean, to produce the way they did today, being down uh, the entire game and being down big for most of the game, I think that I think they actually fared pretty well. Uh, but it was a full split, 36 uh, snaps for Chubb, 35 for Hunt. I do expect that to be the case pretty much going forward. And unfortunately, they're going to drag each other down a little bit. Even in nice games, you you might not see those big-time, weak-winning games from one of them as they're going to spread out those touches and potentially spread out those touchdowns as well. Another game that uh, wasn't as competitive, maybe, as the score may indicate. Bills 27, Jets 17. Boy, Josh Allen... The stat line looks just fine. 33 for 46, 312 yards, two touchdowns. He missed a couple wide open passes for touchdowns. And the story on Josh Allen, fellas, has always been the accuracy, and you're not quite sure about him as a passer, but as a runner, and he came through on Sunday as well with on on the ground, it he, he just adds enough value. If he could make those throws when he's got wide open receivers, he could be a truly elite fantasy quarterback and I know it's the Jets defense but man it's just it's just difficult to watch him throw the ball uh sometimes Ryan uh you had a different takeaway other than Josh Allen from this game yeah Le'Veon Bell and really the entire Jets offense but Le'Veon Bell especially looked terrible I know he was also dealing with an injury so maybe that's part of it but just six carries 14 yards uh, not really. He did have a 30-yard catch, but uh, that was that was the lone bright spot. I think the Jets were the, the worst team of the day. They they kind of came back and put on put together some points uh, late in the game, but to me, they were even worse than the Browns as far as uh, how they performed in Week One. And I feel like that's that's got to be the expectation going forward. Uh, that they're going to continue to struggle and there's not going to be much running room for Bell or anyone else. So uh, there, there was a lot of talk this offseason about Bell and Gurley and Melvin Gordon, uh, David Johnson as well, and Bell's looking like the worst of that, those options right now. Yeah, he certainly didn't look good. There there were some maybe sil- silver lining players for the Jets in this game. If you really look for it, that, that Jamison Crowder long touchdown run 
Uh, that that was nice for Dynasty owners. He went seven for 115 in that touchdown. Also, Chris Herndon was targeted regularly, caught six passes, just 37 yards. But those of us looking for that developmental tight end, maybe maybe we have something there. Outside of that, it was it was hard to find a bright spot for the Jets. Matt, what was what were you thinking about as you were watching the Bills and the Jets play? Yeah, you guys pretty much covered it all. Uh, Josh Allen stood out. He had t- those two lost fumbles. Uh, he should have been intercepted in the end zone, but I guess we just don't care because he still still had a really great day for fantasy, right? Uh, but still, you know, back in the back of the mind is uh, how long will the coaches kind of tolerate those many mistakes? I guess as long as they're winning, uh, then it, it'll, it'll be fine. But when they're not winning, it's probably not going to look so good. Uh, Diggs and Brown both, you know, pretty much equal target split down the middle with 9 and 10. Uh, and, you know, it's, it does seem like he really does favor those outside receivers. Uh, Dawson Knox, though, uh, I was watching him, and he got open a number of times. Allen missed him in the end zone. Uh, could have had a bigger day. There are only three targets for him, but he looks the part if he does get some more work down the, uh, in the future, if he's able to kind of take overtake Cole Beasley as the number three option there in the receiving game. And then you mentioned Jamison Crowder, 37% of the, of the targets today, and it's it's pretty clear that he's the wide receiver one, right? Unless Perriman, uh, I know, we know Perriman's coming off a little bit of an injury, and he's the new guy there, and he's the one that they, they kind of signed to be the number one, but Crowder really does seem to have the, the kind of connection with Darnold if we can say any of these guys have a connection with Darnold at this point. Yeah, Dan, the other the other thing I wanted to throw in there was the the Bills running game. It's it's looking like Josh Allen is is really their RB1, yeah. but uh Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, I wasn't super impressed by either one, but I think the the workload is important. Uh Zach Moss gets 10 opportunities in the red zone, 8 eight rushes and a couple of targets. He turned one of those into a uh, receiving touchdown. Devin Singletary gets two, one target, one rush. That's it. Uh, So kind of like I was saying in Baltimore, uh, although I feel even more confident about this one, we might have seen a, a changing of the guard already. Yeah, it kind of appeared that way as I was watching the game, too. And those of us that might just look at a box score for for opportunities, Singletary with nine carries, Moss with nine carries, Singletary with five catches, Moss with three, that looks pretty even. But if you dig a little bit deeper, like you just mentioned, the the real uh, big-time opportunities went to the rookie. So Moss appears to be favored in that backfield, at least going forward in the short term. Uh, Let's transition quickly to the Las Vegas Raiders who took on the Panthers. It was a pretty entertaining game down there in Carolina and the Raiders came out on top 34 to 30. Those two running backs, uh, they put on a show. Josh Jacobs, 25 carries, 93 yards, three touchdowns, also caught four passes, which is encouraging for dynasty owners everywhere for 46 yards. Christian McCaffrey, did what he does as well, uh, 23 carries, 96 yards, and two touchdowns, three receptions for 38 yards as well. The takeaway for me, although that Christian McCaffrey line looks pretty good, Matt, they were they were playing from behind a little bit, and he didn't stack up those receptions like he has in the past. A lot of times in those type of game scripts in a close game, we saw Christian McCaffrey end the game with seven or eight catches, uh, sometimes seeing as many as 10 targets in a game in those types types of games, McCaffrey didn't necessarily have that. So I'm wondering if that MVP type fantasy MVP type ceiling might be capped a little bit. If that continues with this new offense and this new 
coaching staff, uh, also this new quarterback. Yeah, for only four targets, a little bit concerning. If if you had given me odds on who was going to catch more passes this week between McCaffrey uh, and and Josh Jacobs, I would have taken just slammed the accept button on McCaffrey uh, every time. But uh, yeah, that was extremely concerning. They also uh, made a mistake on a, on a fourth and one and handed the ball off to their their fullback instead of McCaffrey. That was Ugh. that was a brutal series there too. Uh, but you know, I'm not. I'm. I'm, not, I'm certainly not giving up after after one week. Uh, for the Raiders side, it was really uh, encouraging to see Jacobs involved in the passing game. We all kind of thought that with the signing of of Jalen Richard and drafting Bowden, who's now in Miami, of course, and uh, that he just wasn't going to going to really be able to have a, a, a path to those kinds of targets. But did lead the running backs and targets with six, caught four of them, like you mentioned. Richard only one target. Devontae Booker three catches on three targets. I'm not sure what that's about. Um, uh, but I can't. Ex- I can't imagine he's going to be a big part of the plan going forward. So if he's he's out pr- out producing Jalen Richard in the passing game, that's really encouraging. When you add that add to what he's been able to do on the ground for this team already. What I especially liked with Jacobs, Matt, was that a couple of those plays were designed swing passes for Josh Jacobs to try to get him in the flat and in in some open field. That is hasn't been the case, at least in his rookie year. He didn't get those types of opportunities. Ryan, you had your eye on a rookie wide receiver, and it was the one that, that kind of disappointed for the Raiders. Yeah, Brian Edwards, uh, only one target. He did catch it for nine yards, uh, but it, it was, uh, I think it was in, into the second half before he even made that catch. And uh, even though Henry Ruggs was on the sideline uh, for a while with an injury, uh, pretty thin receive, receiving core after that. We know that's what has led to Ruggs and Edwards both being viewed as starters for for the Raiders. To, so, you know, maybe maybe this is just a fluke, but it was a little bit of, of a, uh, a little bit discouraging early on. Yeah, with all that hype surrounding Edwards and what he's done in training camp, the expectation was that that he'd get more opportunities than the one he got. The one, the one takeaway while while watching that game was it didn't appear that anybody was necessarily dominating in that receiving core. Henry Ruggs had a couple of nice plays, three catches for fifty five yards. Uh, beyond that, no wide receiver had had more than two catches. Hunter Renfro with two for twenty one. Nelson Aguilar one for twenty three and a nice that was a nice touchdown catch. Uh, it was Darren Waller six for forty five. So Derek Carr didn't didn't really light the world on fire. Threw for two hundred and thirty nine yards and just a one touchdown to Aguilar. So while it is slightly concerning, um, it didn't appear that anybody else is taking that work. And Edwards will continue to grow in that role. At least that's what we hope as dynasty owners. Let's move on to the Chicago Bears and the Detroit Lions. The Bears won this one 27-23. They were down by three scores, and Mitchell Trubisky led them to three fourth-quarter touchdowns. Um, There's a few takeaways. The the DeAndre Swift dropped game-winning touchdown was brutal. That's awful. We were talking about J.K. Dobbins. We'll get to Jonathan Taylor. Of course, we touched on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And some of these running backs that we expect to make a big impact... Our takeaways from this game would be totally different if DeAndre Swift hauls in that easy touchdown grab. It was disappointing. Instead, Adrian Peterson goes 14 for 93 on the ground, also catches three for 21. So he gets to town, and he's apparently the guy because Carrion Johnson went seven for 14 in his few attempts. Uh, didn't didn't do anything through the air either. So, man, there there's a few ways to go here, Ryan, but it's it's a mess. 
Yeah, the, it, it really is a mess. I guess we shouldn't be surprised. It, it felt like neither team really wanted to win this game. They were both doing what they could to give it away throughout. But on Johnson, I think with, you know, Swift has had this injury uh, that uh, has slowed his progression uh, through camp. And, and there was maybe even some uh, expectation that on Johnson could at least start the season strong. And that did not happen. Seven carries. 14 yards, didn't even draw a target. You just simply can't use him at all. I mean, he's 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 a roster clogger right now. Yeah, and that's so messy. It it just it's so disappointing considering the opportunity he had with with Swift kind of banged up throughout camp. Then they bring in Adrian Peterson and that casts a shadow on both those Lions running backs that that some were in each corner for, and then Peterson goes 14 for 93. So that's a messy situation. There was uh, there was one player, a rookie wide receiver. I didn't mention the stats, Matt, but we've both been in in this guy's corner throughout the offseason, and he had some bright spots on Sunday. Yeah, Quintez Cephas, 10 targets led the Lions in, in targets. That's probably not going to happen once Galladay is healthy and back. Uh, but you know, it's encouraging to see that usage only caught three of them for 43 yards, but, uh, you know, roughly as effective as Marvin Jones jr. Was. So maybe Jones is not the, not necessarily the veteran play there that we thought he was going to be again, week one. So we can't overreact, but certainly encouraging to see the, the, the rookie get 10 targets and lead the team this week in that department. Yeah, I wish he could have come down with a couple of those jump yep. balls, those opportunities down the field that he got, those plays that he made at Wisconsin relatively routinely. Uh, one was a P.I., another one he got a hand on and looked like he was going to make a pretty circus catch, but just didn't come down with it. How about from the Bears' perspective, Matt? Was there anything there that, that really caught your eye? Yeah, Cohen, uh, I, with, you know, Montgomery was suffering through an injury. He obviously was, ended up being fine and played, played well today with 13 carries. Uh, Cohen only seven carries. But the surprising part was when they were mounting that comeback, you would think it would be Cohen in there, uh, uh, you know, catching short passes, moving the chains. Cohen only two targets in the passing game. He did catch two for, for both of them for six yards. But, you know, for a guy who is best asset as a, as a as a space player and, and catching the ball like he did two years ago. Uh, that was, you know, a little bit concerning to see the lack of usage there in that kind of situation. Yeah, for sure. That You know, it was, I think it was just because it was those aging veterans that made a couple of the plays or, or had the roles that, that we were hoping went to younger guys. Danny Amendola, 5 for 81. Uh, also the Adrian Peterson stat line. Can we use those guys? Are those guys worthwhile? It feels like Peterson is a flex type player moving forward, considering that workload. Amendola, are you, is anybody picking him up off the off the scrap heap? It was all Galladay because Galladay was. I'm missing, not right? playing anybody from this this front, this running back group. I, for any thought, I mean, we hope Swift picks it up, but only three carries this week. Maybe that's a product of them coming off of that. Uh, it was a hamstring, I believe. Uh, so, uh, you know, may, maybe that picks up with the ineffectiveness of Johnson. But it seems like Peterson has it. But I, f- I feel like that could flip, like, literally every single week. So I'm probably staying away from this this running back group. I don't know. Peterson against that Swiss cheese Packers run defense <laughs> looks like looks like he could rack up 100 yards next week. But we'll get to that Packers defense here in a minute. Uh, Colts and Jaguars got to be the upset of the week. I know there were a couple worth talking about, but I don't think many expected the Jaguars even at home to compete, let alone win by a touchdown. Jaguars come out on top 27 to 20 and that the Colts did not really look that good, guys. Uh, Marlon Mack started the game, 
played pretty well, but then went down with that ankle. There's there's whispers that it might be season ending. We'll we'll see how that plays out during the week, but it certainly doesn't look good right now. That left Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor. Naheem Hines got a lot of that work right away after the injury. He has seven carries for 28 yards and a touchdown. Got a got a couple red zone looks as well. Also eight catches for 45 yards and another score. So he was a big player if anybody was forced to play him early in the season. Jonathan Taylor on the other side of things, nine carries, just 22 yards. That Jags defense held him in check for most of the game, but got a lot of opportunities in the second half. Also was a pass catcher, six catches, 67 yards. So anybody that had to play him, they at least in those PPR leagues, they got enough production out of the rookie. Looking at this going forward, Ryan, it looks like this is JT's backfield. He's going to have a lot of opportunities coming up. And although that offensive line, which is hyped as potentially the best in the NFL, did not look good, particularly on Sunday, uh, he's going to, it appears like he's going to get a lot of chances to run with the football in Indy. Yeah, I think so. And, and Hines was impressive as well. I, I, you mentioned his, uh, his stats. I think he actually scored both of those touchdowns before Mac was injured. Uh, so with, with Mac likely done for the year, I do expect Taylor to, to eventually take over. I mean, that's, that's no surprise at all. Hines is probably usable at this point, especially, uh, we'll talk, we'll talk chargers later, but with Philip Rivers as his quarterback, uh, Hines is looking like a pretty good, uh, RB three or flex option. Yeah, the Colts have the Vikings next week. And just a quick preview, Ryan, how 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 far are we moving up, guys like Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor? Are we we're willing to call them RB twos for sure? Flex players, right? Uh, yeah, for sure. I'm I'm. I mean, I I would feel good using both of those guys for different reasons, uh, assuming and and unfortunately, I think it's the case that Mac is done for the year. Yeah, and and especially assuming PPR for Naheem Hines. Uh, Matt, you had your eye in this game as well. What was was on your mind as you walked away from Indy getting upset by the Jaguars? Yeah, Hines, obviously, the the first thing I noticed, he got that first touchdown involved early, eight targets in the passing game, caught all eight of them for a 45 and a touchdown as well. Uh, And then, you know, Paris Campbell tying – uh, T.Y. Hilton and targets. Mm-hmm. Both of them got nine targets, but Campbell did more more with it. Six for seventy-one for Campbell. Four for fifty-three and a really bad drop towards the end there for for T.Y. Hilton. Uh, so Campbell looks like he's going to be used uh, as that short intermediate option, and uh, I, I love it. Both him and him and Hines occupying that area of the field. Uh, I think that's that's going to be what Phil Rivers is going to have to target. That's how he's going to have to survive if he's going to be the quarterback of this team because it seems like the deep ball uh, is not not working too well for him uh, uh, this season. And then on the other side uh, of of the game, I want to talk about uh, Gardner Minshew, nineteen of twenty. Didn't have to throw the ball a whole lot, uh, but he was efficient. Uh, DJ Chark caught all three of his targets for a touchdown, so he looks the part. Keelan Cole. Uh, he's back from the dead, and, and Lavisca Chanel involved in both the passing game and the and and the and the running game. So that, that's encouraging to see. I guess my question here is, you know, I, I just assumed that Jacksonville was going to be terrible, like everybody else, and maybe this is more a product of maybe Indianapolis is not as good as we thought they were going to be. But if Minshew plays like this and Jacksonville keeps winning, or, or I mean, is Minshew going to have more than more than just this year as a starter? I didn't really think so entering the season, but but maybe that's the case. We might be getting ahead of ourselves saying keep winning if they keep <laughs> you winning. Know, this is just of course, one game. Let's see what happens happens next week, obviously. But he was impressive. 19 for 20. 
that doesn't just happen. And the, it's not like the Colts defense is, is worthless or, or really, really bad or anything like that. Minshew picked his spots and, and he was certainly affected when they got down in there close. He made a couple really nice throws. And, and when you add in that rushing, that his willingness to get outside the pocket and make a couple plays as a runner, uh, he obviously has value. We'll see how long-term that is. Uh, I tell you what, he's he's a lot of fun. I'm to just watch. I'm just saying. I, I expected Indianapolis to absolutely dominate this game, and to, clearly that didn't happen. So they're doing something right, or or Indianapolis yeah, is doing something wrong. Well, I mean, there was legit talk of Jacksonville going zero and sixteen. Yeah, like real serious talk that that was a relatively strong option. So, I mean, I think of course we have to be impressed with those guys. Uh, I mean, Chenault played well uh, for his first game. You already talked about Minshew. I mean, good good on those guys. Yeah, good for them indeed. Uh, you mentioned Campbell there, Matt. I was impressed as well. Nobody can keep up with him on those shallow crossers, and they, they are trying to get him the ball on those types of plays. I don't think we're going to see uh, really big receiving yardage numbers unless he breaks one of those for a long touchdown run. But, man, in PPR leagues, he looks like a guy that – that is going to be somebody to deal with as dynasty owners and and a guy that we're going to want in our lineups. Guys, we should take a break to talk about our sponsors over at monkeyknifefight.com. And I have this read that I'm supposed to read about monkey knife fight, about how great they are. Honestly, I've been, we've been talking about them for a couple of months now and I had never experienced monkey knife fight until week one this year. I went to DLF. I clicked on the banner. I went, it took me directly to Monkey Knife Fight. I signed up. They gave me a deposit match. They threw in an extra $5. So I had all this money to play with. Didn't know exactly what I was getting into, but I loved it. It's my new favorite when it comes to playing DFS. Their ad says you're not going to get algorithmed. You're not going to be whacked by those professionals that that prevent you from winning big prizes. It's really up to you. It You get to choose what you're going for. What's the goal? Uh, I, I had some luck in week one by clicking on those touchdown games. You get to pick three players pretty much guess or, or set a goal for yourself on how many touchdowns you want those guys to play two and a half, three and a half, four and a half. If you go over, you win. If you, if you don't make it, you lose, you lose. And I hit a big on a couple of those guys. I was riding Christian McCaffrey and Josh Jacobs. I sprinkled in some Devonte Adams and I had a lot of luck over at monkeyknifefight.com. They're the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site on the planet, like I mentioned, all you have to do is go to DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Click on that banner. It will take you to a link where that takes you directly to Monkey Knife Fight. Sign up from there. Not only are you going to get a deposit match with a minimum of $10, but you're also going to get a free year of DLF. You're already a DLF member. Tack on another year to your membership. Get some free money to play at Monkey Knife Fight and win like I did in week one. It, it was a lot of fun. You should check it out. Uh, I'm certainly going to be back again next week. That's DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Click on the banner. Head over to Monkey Knife Fight and uh, start winning money. Let's talk about the Packers and the Vikings, guys. It was a high-scoring affair. The Packers went into Minnesota and got the win, 43-34. Aaron Rodgers had a had a vintage Aaron Rodgers game, 32-44. of 44. Would have been bigger if not for a couple drops by Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Had 364 yards, four touchdowns, nothing close to an interception. Devontae Adams was pretty much the story. 14 catches, 156, two touchdowns, dominated no matter what your settings are. Matt, 
we talk about the Packers. We're Packers fans. We watch them very closely. Devontae put on a clinic. Rodgers was on. He was lit all game. There's there's not a lot of bad things to say. If you had a Packer in your lineup, and, and it goes to say for the Vikings too, most of the Vikings that you were you were putting in your lineup, they came through in week one. Yeah, Devontae Adams, obviously the, the story here, 38.6% target share uh, this week, 17 total targets, like you said, but caught 14 of them. Even if you, you know, had a Hail Mary spot, you suffered one of these injuries that happened late in the week and threw in somebody like Alan Lazard or, 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 or MVS, you know, you, you did pretty well there too. Both of those guys scored touchdowns as well, both catching 63 and 96 yards respectively. So the Packers passing offense looks ready to go. Aaron Jones looked you know, okay, he got back in the end zone on the ground as well. 16 carries there. A.J. Dillon, only two. Uh, so, you know, we'll see. I'm sure the rookie will increase his workload going forward. But right now it still seems like Aaron Jones. And then on the other side, Cook, you know, uh, he, he was okay. He got two touchdowns for you in 50 yards, but not really uh, too much in the receiving game. Did get two targets, but negative two yards there. And then, of course, we all knew that Thielen was going to dominate uh, the, t- the targets there. And he came through with some a little bit of garbage time points, I guess you could call it. Uh, had a nice day as well but the Packers uh d- despite their woes in the run game early you know they they were fairly impressive today I can't I can't uh, say that I'm not impressed with this team and, and Aaron Rodgers it seems like he's uh he, he's ready for this farewell tour if that's what it's going to be he's going to he's going to he's going to make them pay for for sending them away if 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 uh, they decide to do that yeah he ain't going anywhere if he plays like that Ryan what about you was there, was there anything specifically that caught your eye or a lot of the same that Devonte Adams Aaron Rodgers and, the, and those uh, playmakers in Minnesota as well. Yeah, m- mostly the same. I mean, guys, as, as a Packers fan, as Packers fans, it must be a little frustrating. We've talked about it since April, but they used their first-round pick on Jordan Love. They used their second-round pick on A.J. Dillon. Obviously, we don't see Love today. A.J. Dillon gets two carries. If they if they had drafted, uh, you know, some more impact players, we could be talking about a, a, a totally different situation, uh, Not ju- not for today, but for – for the the season as a whole. But I mean, regardless of that, I think the, these two teams are kind of in similar spots. It's Adams, it's Thielen. Thielen doubled the targets of anybody else on his team. Adams almost tripled uh, the, the next guy's targets. MVS had six Adams had 17. So we're pretty much going to see this from those two guys all year long. It's just, it's just going to be a matter of, are they getting the quarterback play to match? Absolutely. And, and I don't want to paint the picture that everything's rosy in Green Bay and that you should slide these guys in with these huge expectations every week. There were some injuries across that offensive line that can affect Rodgers as a passer. It can certainly affect Jones as a running back as well. So we'll see how those play out throughout the week. A couple other small things that kind of caught my eye throughout the game. Jamal Williams looks like a totally different running back. He's not the bruiser. He's not going to be asked to be that guy between the tackles anymore. Now that they they have one of those guys, they drafted and used all that capital on a true bruiser inside the inside the numbers. Uh, Williams looked looked smaller, looked leaner, looked a little bit quicker. I think he might be worthy of a roster spot. Played quite a bit. Seven carries, 21 yards. Also caught four passes for 21 yards. Looks like maybe he could be a receiver. Also got a goal line carry, so there's something there. And then Justin Jefferson, the hot rookie for the Vikings, uh, didn't play a lot, but 
did flash on a slant route, got open with a nice move, two catches, 26 yards. So something to look forward to there with the Vikings. One other thing, Dan, uh, Jay Sternberger, nowhere to be seen. Zero catches on one target. And, you know, the, the quote-unquote starting tight end, Robert Tanya, didn't do anything either. So, uh, I, again, I just think there's nothing there for the Packers tight ends, I guess. It didn't appear that. They, they did try to get Sternberger isolated on a safety on the outside and run him down the sideline, but his effort wasn't all that great on that play. I thought, I thought Rodgers was kind of disappointed after that, and we did not see him again for the rest of the game. Uh, let's talk about the Patriots and the Miami Dolphins. Uh, the Patriots took care of business 21-11. to Not really a whole lot to talk about in this ballgame, fellas. Maybe not even that much to be encouraged about as far as for dynasty owners and fantasy owners in general. Cam Newton was efficient, 15 for 19, 155 yards. Didn't throw a touchdown or an interception, but added 15 carries for 75 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Anybody got anything outside of Cam? Is there anything else to really talk about here? Yeah, I was I was definitely impressed with Cam. I, I think the Miami running game is maybe a little interesting. Uh, Jordan Howard got hurt. He was in and out of that game, but even when he was in, uh, he did hit a t- short touchdown run, but he had more carries than he had yards. Uh, Matt Breda only five carries, and, and somehow it was Miles Gaskin leading the, the team in, in both carries and snaps so we we probably just want to avoid that entire backfield as a whole but at the very least it was a little surprising as I think Breda and Howard were both being viewed as maybe guys you could use as a flex if you were desperate yeah it was it was just an odd game Fitzpatrick didn't look very good through those three interceptions and and forced the ball at times which he's been known to do uh we'll see let's let's see that Dolphins offense against a different defense other than New England before we start judging it as a whole, but but it certainly didn't look good in week one. We need to talk about another big upset, guys. I mentioned earlier that, that the Jaguars' upset might have been the biggest, but I think there's a lot of people that probably uh, raised an eyebrow and thought to themselves, hey, that Washington football team, they really upset Philadelphia as well. Washington comes out with that win 27-17. to The story of the game for me, guys, is that offensive line in Philadelphia. They can't, they can't handle any pass rushers, let alone Chase Young, who was who was all over uh, Carson Wentz throughout the game. Wentz, 24 for 42, 270, uh, two touchdowns, but did throw two interceptions, and he was sacked eight times. He turned his back to the uh, to the line of scrimmage more times than, than any other quarterback in week one, I, I think. And that's not really a Carson Wentz type of thing. He didn't look – he looked shooken throughout that entire game – this is going to be rough for these playmakers. Of course, Miles Sanders was inactive. He was out. But the other Eagles running back, 16 carries for 55 yards, only 3.4 yards per carry, and did not look good doing it. I think Boston Scott, I, I fell for the trap. I thought, man, against Washington, he should get he should get that workload. I'm trying to slide him into my lineups where I have him. That did not work out. So I'm concerned about this Eagles offense, at least in the short term, these injuries, the lack of Miles Sanders being there, that Washington football team is not all that good. And and they really dominated that, that game up front. What are your takeaways, Ryan? 
I fell for the Boston Scott trap as well once Miles Sanders was ruled out um, early in the weekend. And then I also fell for the Antonio Gibson <laughs> trap, and uh, mm-hmm. he did not get off to a good start. Uh, they actually gave him some goal line work and did not have success on that. Um, you know, there's there's going to be a lot of I told you so's with Antonio Gibson because there was a lot of talk about uh, his limited experience uh in college and, and how that might transition. It's going to be a tough transition. I'm, I'm not ready to give up on him, but it probably wasn't a good idea to start him in week one and in a few spots uh, either. So uh, yeah, I, I, I'm with you though, Dan, the Eagles offensive line is a little scary right now. I, I will say that, you know, Gibson, you, you know, not, not super impressive, but you know, more yards than Peyton Barber did on half as many carries. So hopefully, hopefully that means something to the coach's staff. Uh, and he gets a little bit more involved part and Barber's role kind of decreases a little bit. Uh, McLaurin played, played well on, uh, you know, as well as he possibly could on the targets that he got. And then Goddard, uh, Goddard, man, he, can we get him on his own team or just let, uh, let Ertz go somewhere else? Eight for one one and a touchdown on nine targets. And then one other thing with the Eagles, Rager, only one catch but it was a big one for 55 yards and that's encouraging after we weren't even supposed to see him till week two or three yeah imagine if Wentz had some time to throw what those stats would have looked like that entire offense would have blown up because when he had time to throw he was making the plays you mentioned Peyton Barber there Matt did have two touchdowns there's probably a role there so he's going to be on dynasty rosters you're going to see him picked up throughout the week how about the Chargers and the Bengals we got to see Joe Burrow play and he should have got a win guys but the Chargers come out on top 16 to 13 uh it was it was probably that that Chargers backfield Matt that was most eye-catching out of this game yeah especially Austin Eckler uh, no longer has the, the the target machine Philip Rivers feeding him targets only one target for Austin Eckler and you know 84 yards on the ground that's not not really what we want to see out, out of uh, out of that player uh, Josh Kelly looked like a better inside runner so uh, this could be really be in a 50-50 split and if Eckler's not getting those uh, th- those those increased targets out of the backfield from Rivers then he I'm not going to say he's a buff especially this early in the season after one week but it is concerning because Tyrod uh, you know historically has not really targeted the running back position that much and certainly not as much as Rivers did in the past yeah and Kelly had those 12 carries for 60 yards scored the touchdown and he had the money carries inside the 10 it was Kelly that was on the field not Eckler so if he's not getting passing down work talking about Eckler and he's not getting those touches at the goal line Man, he might have been overdrafted and, and paid too much in these uh, the, these dynasties, like salary cap and auction leagues for sure. Uh, let's talk about DynastyOwner.com, fellas. If you've been looking for a new challenge, then it's time to start playing over at Dynasty Owner Fantasy Football. Uh, Dynasty Owner Fantasy Football unites the fun and excitement of fantasy football with the skill and strategy of the front office. Dynasty Owner is the only way to play fantasy football with real NFL salaries, adding the strategy of running an NFL franchise. Dynasty Owner provides a unique challenge for diehard fantasy football fanatics. If you're interested, go check Check out Dynasty Owner at DynastyOwner.com slash DLF for more. How about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, guys? They uh, they quarreled with the Saints in a game that we were we were thinking, oh boy, Tom Brady and Drew Brees, and it's going to be a shootout, and we're going to see some big-time passing numbers, especially with Michael Thomas and all those weapons in Tampa Bay on the outside. Wasn't exactly that, although it did end up 34-23 to in favor of the Saints. 
man, how do you say anything except for about Michael Thomas? That's that's really the clear takeaway to me. Maybe you can mix in Mike Evans, although he was banged up. He didn't look good in the game. Michael Thomas didn't get a lot of opportunities, just five targets, three catches for 17 yards. A player that we were convinced after last season was going to see double-digit targets every single week once again in 2020. That didn't come to fruition in week one. How concerned are we, Ryan, when it comes to Michael Thomas and his usage in that offense? Because there, he was visually, he, he was, he was, he was frustrated, especially towards the end of that game. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not concerned after one game, but I, I am surprised. I mean, five targets, as you mentioned, the same as Sanders, and fewer than both Alvin Kamara and Jared Cook, and, and I really do think it, it might be Kamara's health or, or lack of health, I guess, last year that led to the the massive workload for Michael Thomas. So, uh, I mean, last year was a record-setting year all around for Thomas. We can't expect him to reproduce that. There's going to be some regression there, uh, but that could be due to Alvin Kamara kind of back in his uh, pre-injury form. I doubt that one poor game from Michael Thomas is going to create any kind of discount or anything like that in your dynasty league. But but if that if that guy's frustrated like Michael Thomas was, you you might have a chance to buy him at his cost when you didn't a week ago. Uh, it's worth checking in maybe on Michael Thomas uh, again. I doubt you get a discount, but maybe he's available where he wouldn't have been before. Matt, did you have a takeaway here? Uh, you know, I, I guess I could I could admit some. I can eat some crow on Leonard Fournette. I thought that this was going to end up maybe being a better situation for him, uh, that Ronald Jones wasn't really an obstacle. Maybe I'm not giving Ronald Jones enough credit, but again, this is week one. Jones did out carry uh, Leonard Fournette 17 to five. Fournette just joined the team. So maybe that's not indicative of what's going forward, but it certainly is a concern. The other one is Scotty Miller, uh, five catches, 73 yards on six targets. It, 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 you know, it, it may not always be that way. He may not always play that kind of Welker Edelman role for Tom Brady with both those tied two tight ends out there but somebody certainly we should be keeping an eye on and, and if he's not on, on a roster probably worthy of a pickup this week on waivers yeah you're going to see his name on the waiver wire this week there's going to be bids in your leagues no doubt let's uh the last game that we have to talk about today fellas is the arizona cardinals and san francisco 49ers probably an upset here in most people's eyes as well cardinals 24 49ers 20 it was the kyler murray show man he looked good 26 of 40 230 yards a touchdown and a pick through the air but also 13 carries for 91 yards and a rushing touchdown geez just Reminded me of Russell Wilson, how he was running around back there and making plays. Uh, they they let Kyler cook in this game, and they needed him because they were playing from behind for a lot of this game. DeAndre Hopkins, he, that man, the Houston Texans, they could have used a guy like DeAndre Hopkins on Thursday night because Hopkins went out and went 14 for 151, almost scored a touchdown to add to it as well. Nuke was the bomb in this game. He looked good. For sure, they they were finding ways to get him the ball, get him in space, and, and run after the catch. Uh, if, if you're going to expect that all year long, DeAndre Hopkins is going to be one of the top few receivers in our game. Ryan, when you watched this game, what jumped off for you? It was Hopkins because the, the kind of narrative that we have all, I, I guess, taken stock in and, and just fell for was that with all these weapons on the Cardinals' offense, Hopkins would not see that target share like he did in Houston. He tripled everybody else's targets. He had 16. Fitzgerald, Edmonds, Kirk, five each. 
so it, he did dominate targets and given how we saw especially Christian Kirk perform one catch no yards I think Hopkins continues to do that certainly appeared that way Matt your thoughts yeah, Kirk, uh, I don't know. I hope this isn't what we're going to expect from him going forward. He's been a little bit disappointing early in his career, and now uh, we thought maybe that this was the year that he was going to overtake Fitzgerald, and Hopkins comes in, kind of steals the thunder there. Uh, the running game is a little bit interesting, too. Chase Edmonds out-targeted and out-caught out Kenyon Drake 3-2 to two and 5-2 to two in targets. Uh, you know, Drake, one of his calling cards, is in the receiving game, and at least for this, this matchup, it, it did not play out that way. Edmonds actually got a receiving touchdown as well. Uh, Drake did redeem himself with a rushing touchdown uh, but if he's if, if this is the target split we're going to see for Drake maybe uh, a little bit of concern there from him from a PPR as, uh, aspect yeah he was that sleeper running back one that a lot of us were were scooping up a lot of us as dynasty owners and, and maybe that that probably doesn't happen if he's not getting a lion share of the passing game work that that puts a wrap on our week one edition of of the show guys I think the expectation for a lot of dynasty owners or and a lot of football fans in general was that defenses would need a few weeks with no preseason to kind of catch up to these offenses we saw some poor tackling we saw some blown coverages that contributed to a lot of these big fantasy days for some of these guys I don't know if the expectation is that that that's going to continue for the whole season but man it was fun to watch week one yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was it was a blast. I'm just glad football is back. Yeah, I think I think all of us are for sure. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the DLF Dynasty podcast. For Matt and Ryan, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you in week two.